Loving Heavenly Father, would you give us a desire to know you better, to know what it is to come before you with confidence through the new and living way that Jesus provides. In his name we pray. Amen. Is it worth it? What makes becoming a Christian worth it? What makes being a Christian worth it? Most of us have asked that question at some point in our lives. Certainly the people to whom this letter is written have been asking just that question. Up to now, our eyes in this letter have been firmly fixed on the person of Jesus Christ. And only now do we get an insight into the people to whom it was originally written. If you have a look at verses 33 and 34 of chapter 10, we discover that they'd been publicly exposed to insults and persecution. They'd been imprisoned. They'd had their property confiscated. And given this letter's closing remark concerning Italy, we may be able to have a stab at when and where all this took place. Shortly after the Emperor, Roman Emperor Claudius um, uh, became emperor in AD 41, he forbade the Jews in Rome from meeting together in their synagogues because of some unrest that was going on. But eventually that didn't do the job, and um, eight years later in AD 49, Claudius took the more drastic step of expelling the entire Jewish population from the city of Rome. According to one of the Roman historians of the time, Suetonius, Claudius expelled the Jews because of the disturbances had been caused by someone called Crestus. And many have taken from Suetonius that what was happening was that Jews were becoming Christians and that was causing unrest within the Jewish community. And that's why they were expelled from Rome. And thanks to the book of Acts, we know the names of two of those Jewish Christians who were expelled from Rome, Priscilla and Aquila, who ended up in Corinth in Greece, mentoring, were helping Paul in his ministry there, but also mentoring another Jewish Christian called Apollos, who something, in fact, was the author of the letter of Hebrews. And it may well have been to the friends of Priscilla and Aquila back in Italy that the letter of Hebrews was written. Friends who had stood, stood firm through that first wave of persecution. But now another wave of persecution was on the way. In AD 64, a new Roman emperor, Nero, came to the throne and we're told that he uh, had Christians killed as a matter of sport. They were, says the historian Tacitus, covered in wild beast skins and torn to pieces by dogs or were fastened to crosses and set on fire in order to serve as torches by night when daylight failed. That this extreme persecution wave had yet to hit home, we can find out in, in the Hebrews chapter 12 verse 4 when we read that in your struggle against sin you have not yet resisted the point of shedding your blood so it looks like this persecution was on the way but it hadn't yet hit so we can sort of date both the location and the timing of when this letter was written the question at the heart of it all is was it worth it it had been worth it holding on to jesus in that first wave of persecution but with this extreme wave of persecution on its way is it still going to be worth it 
Wouldn't it be easier to stop meeting together and live under the radar or even abandon their faith in Jesus and go back to their Jewish roots to take advantage of Judaism's protected status in the Roman Empire? And perhaps we can relate to this. Christians in Britain, well, we haven't had our property confiscated. We don't face the threat of uh, persecution and execution, although Christians throughout the world do face that in some places. But we are finding that um, uh, if we speak out about our faith, uh, that we might face losing our jobs, and we face an increasingly secular culture. And maybe we're tempted to give up on being part of a church, of perhaps handing on our faith to our children and our grandchildren. So that's our question this morning. Is it worth it? What's the Bible's answer? What is Hebrews' answer? Well, it's this. It is worth it because Jesus and only Jesus gives us confidence before Almighty God now and when we die and come before him on the day of judgment. Jesus and only Jesus gives us that confidence. If you've got your Bibles uh, open, have a look at chapter 10 of Hebrews verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. In the last few weeks, we've seen how Hebrews paints for us wonderful portraits of Jesus, as uh, Creator Collins reminded us this morning. And now we come to the therefore, to the application, to the so what section of the letter. And in these verses, we get a brilliant summary of the letter so far, that Jesus is the great priest over the house of God, whose once-for-all sacrifice opens this new and living way into God's presence, into that most holy place. If we come to God through Jesus, we can be confident that we will find a welcome there. And the word for confidence here involves more than just that quiet confidence, that access will be granted into God's presence, but it, it includes a sense of boldness. I can be absolutely sure that the door of heaven will be opened to me. Isn't that wonderful? Because it doesn't depend on my efforts and my sacrifices, but upon Jesus's once-for-all sacrifice, we can draw near with full assurance that we will be accepted and not rejected if we come into God's presence, if you like, holding on to Jesus. Israel's high priests often held the position for just a year. What a privilege it must have felt as the culmination of your life to join that select club of people who are allowed once in their lives to enter into the temple, into the holy of holies, into the most holy place in that Jerusalem temple. And yet now we discover that any follower of Christ, all who come to God through the curtain, that is, Jesus' body broken on the cross, can enter into God's presence in heaven whenever we like. It's amazing. It reminds me of a story you may have heard from the American Civil War. There was a soldier in the Union Army who had lost his older brother and father in the war. And the young man began to think about his mother and sister back home. And with no one to help them with the spring planting on the farm, he felt he perhaps was more needed back on the farm than in the army. 
So he decided to go to Washington, D.C. and to plead his case before President Lincoln himself. And when he arrived in the nation's capital, he went to the White House, approached the doors, and asked to see the president. However, he was refused entry. The president's far too busy running the war. And so he left very discouraged. He was sitting on a little park bench not far from the White House when a little boy came up to him. And the boy said to him, Soldier, you look unhappy. What's the problem? And the soldier looked at the boy and began to tell him everything about his situation. And then something amazing happened. The boy took the soldier by the hand and said, come with me, and led him round to the back of the White House. He went through the back door, past the guards, past all the generals and the high-ranking government officials, until they reached the president's office itself. And the boy didn't even knock, but just opened it and walked in. And there was President Lincoln with his Secretary of State looking over battle plans on his desk. President Lincoln looked up and asked, What can I do for you, Todd? And Todd replied, Father, this soldier needs to talk to you. And the soldier was able to bring his request, and I think he, he, was, he was given dispensation. But that little story reminds us that's what Jesus does for us. He, uh, he's the Son of God, and he removes the barriers and brings us into the presence of of his father on our own the way is beset with red lights at every stop but jesus's new and living way gives us green lights and turns those red lights into green jesus and only jesus gives us that confidence before almighty god now our author takes the rest of the chapter to work out what this answer means in everyday life. He gives us five ways to respond, five lettuces, five exhortations. And we're going to look at each of these briefly in turn. But why not ask yourself, which of these responses is most pertinent to me? If you've got a a pen and paper, just jot them down and ask yourself, which is the one I'm going to put into practice this week? Here's the first one. Let us draw near to God. And we find that in verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. A reference maybe to baptism. Now that Jesus has opened the door, don't keep away, says our author. Draw near to God. This is what you're made to do for that relationship with your maker. And it's what Jesus died to make possible. So make drawing near to God part of your everyday life. Set aside time for personal prayer and for public worship. And do so recognizing that we don't need to come into God's presence weighed down by our moral failures. Lord, it's me again. I expect you're really cross with me for what I've been doing and thinking and apologizing as we come into his presence. We want to repent, but then we want to say actually through this new and living way that Jesus provides, we can come into God's presence, we read, with our guilty consciences cleansed. So we're not to come timidly, but boldly, not in self-loathing, but confidently with full assurance of a warm welcome. Not, well, it's about time you turn up. You know, it's been a fortnight since you last prayed to me. But how wonderful to see you. What's on your heart? I love our conversations. Jesus and only Jesus can give us this confidence before our maker. 
That's our first way to respond, to draw near, to make the most of what Jesus has done, this new and living way. The second response is to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Verse 23, for he who who has promised these things is faithful. Now, I'm not much of a golfer, but I imagine having the most valuable golf club in the world in your hands, the most expensive. But it won't make much of a difference to your game unless you hold on to it firmly. And the people this letter is written to are beginning to loosen their grip on Jesus Christ. And Hebrew says, get a firm grip, hold on. Don't throw away your confidence as if it were some battered old club of, old, of no value. To turn your back on Jesus now, well, he says, it's to trample the Son of God as if under your feet. It's to insult the Spirit's gracious work in your life. It's to leave yourself completely exposed to the fires of judgment. If we reject Christ, if we deliberately and knowingly turn our back on him now, which is the greatest sin we could ever commit, we cannot think we can go back to the old way of having our sins forgiven in the Jewish system of sacrifices. Now that Jesus has come, the temple sacrifices of Judaism are obsolete. They were only ever a pointer to what was to come. And now that Jesus has come, his is the only sacrifice that God will accept. Reject the cross, therefore, and there is no other way, no other sacrifice that can cover over our sins. And all is left, we're told, is to fall into the hands of the living God, unforgiven, which is a dreadful, dreadful thing. It's a stark warning that Hebrews gives us in this chapter. But sometimes we need someone to put things starkly for us. So hold on, keep going, persevere we're told hold on to the promises of god here is a rich reward coming for those who hold on to their confidence you did it in the past he says when the emperor confiscated your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions that were coming most of this morning's passage is focused on making this point hold on because he who promises is faithful there is nothing more satisfying to the soul than this rich deep relationship with the one true living god it is worth everything else jesus and only jesus gives us this confidence before our maker so hold on and then thirdly let us consider how we may spur one another one another on to love and good deeds How should Christian believers who are set free from this burdensome cycle of religious sacrifices spend all their newly found freedom and free time thinking about how they could love one another more and what they could do to help their neighbours? That's it. Jesus sets us free not so we can love ourselves more, but so we can love others more and help them in practical ways. It's why Lent is a good time to think not just about what I'm giving up, but what I can do for others around me. And if you're in one of our small groups, why not take some time to consider together what that might involve, or as a family, think what that might involve for us. And of course, the greatest deed we can do for another human being is to lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ and to that new and living way that they might have no idea exists. And then fourthly, let us not give up meeting together we're told 
The culture then, and perhaps the culture now, is making it harder and harder for Christians to be public about what we believe. So when offers came for children's parties and family get-togethers, work deadlines and sport fixtures, it was so much easier to say, yes, of course, I'll I'll fit you in. I'll I'll go to church next week or or next month. Until we just find that in saying yes to all these other things, we just got out of the habit of going to church at all. And Hebrews verse 10, verse 25 says, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Now, one of my most uh, useful uh, purchases in recent years has been this battery tester. I don't know if you've got one of these things. After years of guessing whether a battery needed replacing, because for some reason, you know, you're never meant to throw them away in the bin, are you? So you, so you, you don't know what to do with them, and they go back in the drawer. And then when you need a new battery, you bring them out, and you don't know whether it works or not. So this has been an answer to many a, a problem, a battery tester. Get one. But I think church is a bit like a battery tester. How often we're coming to church is a good test of where we're placing our confidence. When we come every week, it shows that that's where our confidence lies in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe it gives us confidence to say, actually, no, I can't do this or that because I'll be in church that during that Sunday morning or Sunday evening. Hence this emphasis of, of making church a priority. It helps express that confidence that we have in Jesus Christ. And then finally, the final lettuces, uh, the fifth way to respond, flows out of the fourth. Let us encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching, verse 25. One of the great blessings of meeting up together as Christian believers is that we can encourage one another. Every day is one day nearer to meeting Jesus in person. Let's encourage ourselves that we're on the way. We're getting closer to Jesus to literally put courage into each other's hearts. That's a really good mindset to have on a Sunday morning. To walk through the doors when hopefully they reopen in a few weeks' time. uh, To pick up the phone today, to pop in on Zoom times and to ask, who can I encourage Maybe it's simply by sitting next to someone who's on their own, or you know who lives on their own, or or going up to speak to someone new after church. And if we need some encouragement ourselves to think, well, who would it be a good person to open up to this week, to to give a call and say, I I really need to chat with somebody. Have Have you got 10 minutes? Have you got half an hour? Left to ourselves, our spiritual batteries get depleted. We need recharging. And that's what church does for us. That's what other Christians do for us. So which one of these responses most resonates with you this morning? Setting aside time to draw near to God in prayer? Getting a firmer hold on your faith? Maybe you think, well, I haven't got that confidence because I'm not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, put your trust in him and know that confidence. Put trust in his, what he has promised because he is faithful to his promises, and you can trust what he says. Or thirdly, maybe it's, it's some practical action, doing something practical to, to love someone else, to, to do something to help someone around you. Maybe it's giving church a higher priority in your diary, giving it the highest priority. Or maybe it's thinking through, how can I be an encourager to someone this week? Maybe after the church this morning to pick up the phone and encourage someone. Five responses to this morning's question and answer. 
Which one is the spirit of grace calling you to work with him on this week, I wonder? The question, is it worth being a follower of Christ? The answer, absolutely yes. Definitely yes. Completely yes. Jesus and only Jesus, because of who he is and because of what he has done, gives us confidence before God Almighty, our creator. Let's pray together. Father, even while we're apart, we can together draw near to you. And we do that now in prayer. We thank you that Jesus has given this this new and living way. What a privilege we have. And we thank you for the confidence that gives us to approach you in prayer now and at any point in the day. We thank you so much for this gift that you've given us in Jesus Christ and help us to respond to you in some of the ways that have been outlined today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our final song gives us a chance to lift our eyes to that throne where Jesus intercedes for us, to the hope that we encourage one another as church to hold firmly onto, and the hope actually that George mentioned explicitly in his interview. That was so wonderful, the fact that actually whatever difficulty, whatever suffering we, just as the Hebrews, uh, faced, there is a place where the streets shine with the glory of the Lamb. And that we are welcomed into that new creation future because of the blood of Jesus. So let's sing this song together.